0: Good evening. How are we doing tonight? Everybody have a good Labor Day? Are we well rested? Kind of? Okay. Um, We're going to jump into it in just a moment here. Next week, next Tuesday, we will be not meeting. Uh, We won't be meeting because there is a members night right here. Same time, 6.30 actually, right here. So if you're a member of Cornerstone, um, Pastor Lynn and the staff are going to share what Cornerstone is doing, um, what we're presently doing, what the future is going to be all about. And so if you're a member here, it's members night next Tuesday night, September 11th, 6.30, I think to 8. And so uh, feel free to show up. I'm assuming, unless I hear differently, there's child care. Kaboom, still going, Mike, is that correct? We, d- we didn't get you, Mike.
1: He's working it. Mike needs a
0: go. mic.
2: <laughs> Mike on the
1: available and it will be free
0: free childcare, okay and mike is that members only or if i'm a regular tender, or are we voting on anything do you know or
1: um no no voting it's called members only but um, we're looking for people that connect strongly with with cornerstone so
0: members only plus <laughs> great so if you have any interest in what we're doing here present and future uh, come on uh, come on down. And then the 18th then, September 18th, we'll pick it right back up in the book of James. So if you're used to coming here on Tuesday nights, just keep coming. Um, come next week and, uh, and you'll hear some great information about what we're doing in uh, present and future. And then come back the following week and we'll pick it right back up in James. Okay? Uh, we've got a couple more weeks in James throughout the month of September. And then we'll, we'll follow the school schedule. So we'll take a couple weeks off in October and I'll get you those dates on the 18th. Uh, for fall break, and then we'll pick it back up and we'll run all the way through uh, through November, I believe, for Thanksgiving break, and then we'll pick it back up for a few more weeks until the end of uh, December for Christmas break. Okay, um, with that in mind, what we're going to be dis- discussing tonight, as you'll recall when we launched into the book of James, I had a, a baseball glove out here with me, and I mentioned the fact that um, James assumed something right off the bat with his audience, and that is I have some some great and wonderful truths to tell you, but, but they're, they're hard. They're difficult. And so I'm going to assume that my readers um, are at a, a certain proficiency, if you will, a certain level of understanding about the Christian life. And we, I think we discovered that last week when we started talking about trials. And James immediately launches into uh, this directive to rejoice in our trials. And that's a hard truth to understand But the book keeps going on and on and on in that direction of these are difficult. They're great for you, but they're difficult. And so we continue in that vein tonight. And I wanted to start with that because what we're going to discuss tonight uh, really carries along with that, that uh, these things that we're learning from God and his word are going to help us. They really are. But I think sometimes they cause us to drive home really wrestling with, some hard truths. In fact, over the the past few weeks, I've gotten emails from you or I've talked to you up here and you've echoed that. And I encourage you to continue to do that. Um, Continue to send me emails or send each other emails and let's just continue wrestling with some of these truths. You'll recall if you want to have your Bibles and turn to James chapter one, we didn't get very far, but um, we're in James chapter one and we start in verse two. We left off trying to answer this question. James says in verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance, verse 4, or patience or perseverance, um, depending on your translation, have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, in other words, whole or mature, lacking, in nothing, And that's where we kind of left off. And really we were asking the question. I get that if I have a trial in my life that the result is going to be endurance which is going to result in maturity or wholeness. But the question is why should I rejoice in that? That seems to be the difficult part. And so we, we left last week off saying that well maybe one of the reasons is is because Christians and non-Christians face trials. And the non-Christian, the best they have is to fight their way through it, uh, but it's really a fight out of their own strength, out of their own will. And so what the Christian has the benefit of is enduring here because of their faith. Their faith is tested, James says. And when your faith is tested, it produces endurance. And endurance will have its perfect result or your, the test of your faith will have its perfect result in making you mature and complete. And so James says rejoice, and possibly one of the reasons we can rejoice is because people are watching us go through these trials. I know that from my own experiences, and you probably know it from yours as well, that we're not the only ones going through that particular trial. You've probably discovered in the trials you've been through that how God places people in your path that have similar experiences, people you've never Known before or never would have guessed are experiencing the same thing. Complete strangers, maybe. Uh, when I started that blog after Leanne died, um, I was getting emails, guys, and, and calls from all over the country. And then it ended up going global. And, and I was just, I couldn't believe how many people were going through similar experiences. And so part of the reason, I think, that James says you're to, to rejoice or express joy during your trials is because people are watching and they're wanting to know, how can I get through it? Um, because my options are, listen, I either cave under this trial, I complain under this trial, or I persevere under this trial. And James is opting, obviously, for the latter. And so so we ended last week with that. And what I want to do is is uh, just kind of echo... Oh, and by the way, um, I was thinking about this last week. I'll go ahead and write some stuff up here. Um, but we have some microphones here. If you've never been to the mind, just raise your hand if you want to ask a question or a comment. Uh, but my question is, we begin tonight, and this is, this is um, extra biblical. It's not here in the text necessarily. When you see someone going through a trial, and by the way, the trials in here that James is talking about, I believe are external trials. What I mean by that is, I believe that James says, Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. In other words, when trials come your way. Things that happen externally coming upon you. You discover that you have an illness. Um, You've been doing your job well and all of a sudden they're downsizing. Uh, The loss of a loved one. Um, And they don't need to be extremely major on that level. But it's something that comes upon you. I don't think what James is saying here is, uh, listen, if you've cheated your company out for years and years and years and years... And then they finally catch up with the paperwork and the paperwork leads to you and you end up losing your job. James says, consider it joy. Your faith will be tested. You're going to pass through this. And that's not what he's saying here. You brought that upon yourself. That's a sin issue that needs to be dealt with. I think what James is talking about here are the things that are out of our control. When things happen in my life that I wasn't expecting, didn't want, don't know how to deal with. God, how do I deal with this? I I, I was just kind of living life. I think we mentioned last week that we're talking about things that interrupt your peace or your comfort in life. Those are the trials we're mentioning. James says to rejoice. My question, because I've, I've, I've kind of experienced this and probably you have too, but let's just help each other out tonight. When your neighbor or your friend or your relative is going through a trial like that, and you're, you're in their path, you're in their circle, what do, you ha- what do you say to them? When someone's going through a trial, a difficult time, uh, an experience that you could equate to a, a trial, um, what, what do you say to them by way of, uh, of a word of affirmation, encouragement, wisdom, sympathy? I, I'm, I'm looking for, for answers myself. So um, what, what have you found maybe when you were going through a trial to be helpful, words that you've heard from other people to be helpful for you? Just, I'm interested in, in hearing what you have to say. Is there any way I can help? Is there any way I can help? I'll take, yeah, that's... What, what if they say no? I, I mean, have you ever said that to someone? Hey, is there... Man, I'm just, I'm hurting for you here. Is there anything I, any way I can help? And have you ever heard, had someone say Yes. Um, maybe, maybe like, uh, I'll bet they say yes. And then what do they say? Yes, you can what? Pray for me. Yeah. I mean, and it's. yeah. What do you say after they say no? But, but that's good. I mean, it's, you're at, you're, you're available, I guess. Is that, that's what we're saying is, hey, I'm, I'm available for you. So that's good. Yeah. Right, right over here and and over here. Greg, I was just going to say, uh, quite simply, I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen to you. Yeah, that that works. What do you say to someone that's going through a trial or, or what when you've been through a trial what works for you? Cuz we all know what doesn't work, right? What what doesn't work when you're going through a trial? What 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 shouldn't people say? The number one answer is I understand. Yeah. We say that Maybe because we don't know what else to say, but what's the person thinking? You you have no idea. Why would you say that? Why do we say that? Yeah, I mean, why why do we say that? I'm sorry? We're trying to be empathetic empathetic or sympathetic, I, I guess, but do you really understand? Even, guys, I had people that lost their loved ones. Um, but it was a different situation. It was, they were older or younger or married or, I mean, um, uh, with kids, without kids. and Well, um, we we, we, do, we do err on that side, and I think our hearts are right. I'm just not sure it's, it's completely effective when we say that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I was going back to the other what we can do
0: yes yeah
2: and I tend to be an optimistic so I try and find the things that have gone right even when my day is completely I mean the other day we had the car was going to cost like half a month's salary to fix and you know everything was going wrong I homeschool my children so I had two children in tow trying to get the car to the repair shop and try and figure out how to get it repaired and all that but Fortunately, we were able to go to my mom's house and hang out there all day. So we weren't stuck in the dealership. So I just try and find the good things that are going, that are going do, right, that God's sending us.
0: Do you mention that to them or do you like?
2: Yeah, I try and point that out to people. Yeah. Around me.
0: Things, okay.
2: Little things too. Like, you know, well, at least it didn't rain today. You know, I mean. Yeah. Something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I, 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 because guys, I'm often in that situation, probably you are. And we, and it's almost like, I think when we say I understand or something, because we're not expecting to be in this situation, right? And then you get a call or you get a friend knocking on your door or you get a coworker saying, you know, and all you said was, how are you doing today? And then, and they're just unloading on this big trial in their life. And while they're explaining the trial, you're trying to think of something to say, right? You're trying to think of, okay, how, you know, um, so we so we often default to that. Um, I, I just know, and we probably all can agree. Uh, it I understand doesn't work. Um, I, I've I, when 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 Leanne died, people would say um, people would say things that weren't biblical, um, and I know they were being sympathetic. I know they were trying to help, but um, you know they would say like, "Well, she's an angel, like looking down on you guys right now," and I thought she's not an angel, and um, and what good does it do me knowing she's looking down on me? Like, how does that help me right now when, you know, I'm, I'm lying in bed alone, and I want my wife next to me, and, and you're saying she's looking down on me. It's almost like that is even more painful. Um, I, and I know, I know the reason we say that is because we think it will bring peace or some sort of it'll, it'll be salved to the to the, to the to the to the hurt um, my experience has been it it just causes a little bit more confusion or maybe just some distance there with I just I get it I just don't know if that's helping uh, w- one more over here yeah and then. you know I've got some
1: friends that are going through some major <clears throat> life-changing trials right now and the only thing I can say to them is any is something that's helped me in many trials of mine and that's keep looking to God. Keep you know, what? Keep, keep looking to God. Keep turning to Jesus. You know, pour yourself into, you know, the, the knowledge and the peace and the grace that he can give you. And ultimately, for me, and in, in my trials, that's the one true thing. If I was being obedient and listening and, and taking their advice, that's the thing that helped me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that I'll take that. Um, but, uh, here's what's helped me, guys, honestly. Um, people, people, The people that said this to me and then I've said it to others. Uh, simply, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, I'm, but but I need you to know I'm sorry for you. When people said that to me and, and didn't follow it up with advice or wisdom or uh, six easy steps or... Um, it just, for me, that seemed to work. Uh, often when we're in our trial, when we're in our situation, we are so stressed out by it. We're so... Uh, everything is magnified. That that we get, we become a little bit sensitive to what's being said, right? And so, but when someone comes along and says, "Man, I'm just," and, and it's heartfelt, I'm am so sorry. There, even when I wanted to be angry at that person, there was nothing for me to be angry about. I, it, it really, it had me almost responding almost every time with "Thank you, um, thank you for for feeling for me, uh, thank you for being sorry for." For, for my situation, not me necessarily, but for my situation. And uh, that seemed to be really, really effective. It didn't take much. Um, we struggle with letting silence be a major player when we're in this situation, don't we? We struggle with just sitting there with someone. We feel like we need to fill the air with something. Um, I, I would just caution us, I guess, moving forward. Uh, people in grief and people going through trials like this... Um, I think they need us there. I definitely think they need a shoulder to lean on or cry on. I'm just not sure they're in the, the right mind frame to start taking notes on the wisdom that you have for them or that I have for them. But when we come, when we weep with those who weep, I think it's it's extremely effective. I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not even sure I'd say I wish I could change things. Only because what... You, what You can't. Um, So anyway,
3: yeah. Hey, uh, Greg. Uh, We all go through trials. So a lot of times I think you might say, hey, I understand. Maybe not understand the problem that the trial that person is going through. But we all understand trials. So when you say, I I think when we say I understand, it's like I've been there. You know, we all have separate trials and difficulties in our life, but. I understand
0: trials. So it's, you know,
3: kind of no one where they're at.
0: Yeah I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying and I agree. Uh, I've always interpreted it as they're saying they understand my trial. And that's where I've distanced myself from saying that to others because, because no one said to me, hey, I understand trials. Um, they just say I understand. And I interpret that as I don't. How could you understand? Um, I didn't understand until I'm in it, and I don't even fully understand now that I'm even in it. So, you're 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 right. Though we all do go through trials, Um, and that's where I think it's just pivotal for us not to run from people that are in trials, but to 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 run from it, but to run toward them, because because we all have trials.
3: That was the other thing I was going to say. Is it's always good to try to follow up with a phone call, or you know, hey, you want to meet for dinner or something, and just yeah, kind of check in once in a while.
0: Yeah, um, food for thought too. Um, I would caution us from saying, "How are you doing?" Um, it's a, that's a no-win answer. Um, if I say I'm doing great, you think I'm over it. If I, I say I'm doing crappy. Um, you don't know how to respond to that. We, You know, we got, we, we get awkward at that point. And so I, when people ask me that, I just, I never knew how to respond to that. Uh, you know, those, I mean, again, in your trial and my trial, it's, you know, uh, almost minute by minute, isn't it? One, you know, I remember uh, about 24 hours after Leanne died that um, I was in my car. I had to get out of the house. I'm in my car. I'm just driving around. And it was just good to be out. It was, I was... The call came at nine o'clock at night. Spent the whole night up and, and crying and whatnot. And then the next day, I just had to get out. And so it was just good to be out. And I remember being at a stoplight. She got she got hit by a car, and so she was in a car accident. And so here I am at a stoplight, and and I just and and so I, I felt good to be out. And then the minute I pulled up to the stoplight, um, I felt horrible. I, I just felt I felt un uh, unimaginable pain. And so if someone were to ask me, how are you doing? I wouldn't know how to respond to that at that point. I remember getting done with that, pulling back into my driveway and just weeping for about 20 minutes in my car um, uncontrollably. Um, and then within an hour, uh, I might have been smiling or laughing. Um, it, it were, you know, we're so unpredictable. And so when people would say, how are you doing? I often would throw my hands up and, and or I'd give some curt answer. Um, some pat answer that wasn't probably being honest or legit. Um, Just got to be cautious, be a little careful. Yeah.
2: What I have done and what works for me is, is for example, in your situation, um, I would listen to what you are going through and try to come up with um, your feeling and
0: then emulate what it must be like. For instance, um hearing about your wife's car accident yeah i would say something like it must be
2: devastating to lose somebody in such a in such a horrible
0: way and then listen to your re- your response and then with your response try to fill that need for you in some way if it was loneliness i'd visit or call so really listening and then emulating back to see where i could help that's great i appreciate that that's that's active listening obviously and um you know i just i think i would just encourage us all to let the spirit lead and um i would err on the side of of not saying too much i guess if that's a way to put it i would err on that side rather than saying uh saying a lot um
1: Going, going back to the um, text, though, consider it pure joy. Yeah. The, uh, joy in this context is used about four times Correct. in the New Testament. And the considerate part is the or, orist tense, which is something that comes from the past and is still good now and into the future. And he's saying that the joy that came from the past is always good. And that joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit because it's God's grace acting in you that makes it possible to work through the trial. And I, th- I think that because James was talking to Hebrew Christians who were all relatively new at the time, I think he was just, he's really being very encouraging with that. And it would work best, I mean, to deal with this, it's better a Christian to Christian who understands that part of.
0: Yes, that's true. Yes, definitely. So, so
1: that you're on the same, uh, you're talking the same language,
0: I think you're right in that, and I think that when we're rejoicing, when we're full of joy, it is so much more than what we express externally, that, and that joy does come from the Spirit, uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit, that a Christian can relate to another Christian on that level. I agree with that. Yeah, that's good. And yet, and I would agree, I don't think much needs to be said between two Christians when suffering occurs, and I'm going through a trial, and that's I guess that's what I'm getting at, and you put it much more succinctly. Um, there can be deep joy between two believers, even during their suffering, because not only what James says, but Paul will say it, Peter will say it, there is a hope that awaits us, even if we can't feel it right now. That's, yeah, that's really good. Um, James says this. So here's what I'm doing up here, guys, is, is I'm just giving a progression or logic of what different authors in the scriptures have said about trials. Okay, so James says, he says to rejoice. And the, the reason we're rejoicing is because one day you this trial is going to help mature you. So James says rejoice because this is something you can bank on. And the reason that you can be made perfect or complete is because you've endured. And the reason that you've endured is because your faith has been tested. And the reason your faith has been tested is because of the trial. In other words, I just took what James said and I flipped it. I just brought it all the way back because my original question last week was, Why should I rejoice? I'm going through hell. Why should I rejoice? And James says, Rejoice, Greg, because you're being made complete. You're being made complete because you're enduring, you're persevering, you're you're acting with patience. In fact, this word here in James is when the trial comes your way, sit in it, basically. James is saying be patient in the trial. Don't run from the trial. And so he's saying be patient in it, and when that happens, your faith is growing, it's being tested. But the reason it's being tested is because there's a trial in your life. That's what James is saying here. Watch what Paul... Take your Bibles, turn to Romans 5. I want to show you... Is there a comment or question over here? Um, While we're getting that one, turn to Romans chapter 5. Uh, We'll look at verses 3 through 5. Yeah.
1: You mentioned about... um saying, what can I do for you? Yes. You know, I thought about that. Uh, I bowl a lot, and I bowl in one league that has 200 bowlers in, and some of the guys have problems. And I thought, you know, I could say that. What can I do for you? But supposing the fellow says to me, well, you know, my car's a wreck. I need a new car. Well, I'm not going to be able to help him. So that's not – that has never worked for me. What I have done is just say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I don't ask if I can pray for them. I say, I'll pray for you. And I've never had one person say to me,
0: no, don't do that. Even, even I've found, and I agree with you, even non-believers will appreciate prayer in times of trial. In times of crises, when I say to a non-believer, I want to pray for you. You're right, I've never had a non-believer say to me, uh, you know what, I'll take a pass on that. They just don't. I would say that to to your first point, yeah, you know, what do you do when the person says, "Yeah, here's what you can do for me," and they get out the grocery list? Um, If I can't provide, if I step into that and and hear what he's saying, if you say, "What can I do for you?" Don't be trite with that. Don't just say it and expect the person to say, "There's nothing you can do for me." If you say it, be willing to help out. So if, if you say, hey, what can I do for you? And they say, man, I, you know, uh, uh, for me, like it was meals. I wasn't in any mood to cook for my three kids now. And so if someone said, hey, what can I do for you? And I said, man, I, you know, a, a hot meal would be nice. Um, if you said, what can I do for you? And I say a hot meal would be nice. You can't say, you know, I'll pray for you. <laughs> you got to go out and get me a hot meal. So, yeah, you you know, say it if you mean it. Great, great point. Yeah. Uh, look at Paul says in Romans chapter five, he says in verse three, Paul says, and not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations, right? Knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance, perseverance, proving character, proving character, hope, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who was given to us. And Paul says then. Here's the progression. He says rejoice. Or exalt in your tribulations. Why? Because you'll get hope. That's going to be the end result. He says in verse 4. And perseverance. Proven character. Proven character. Hope. And so I just back the whole thing up. Why should I rejoice? Why should I exalt Paul? Because I, because I live with hope. And the reason I live with hope. Is because my character now is being tested proven matured it's being ch- matured because i'm persevering in something i don't want to but i am and that's because a trial has come my way okay so that's paul's logic or progression uh, turn to first peter now first peter new testament chapter one uh, after james then go to uh, hebrews james and then and then peter first peter chapter one and look at Verses six and seven. Okay, so Peter says the same thing. He says rejoice. In fact, if if someone, are there any mics out there? Can someone read First Peter one six and seven while I write this up there? First Peter one six and seven. If someone could read that for us, that would be great.
2: In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm getting this progression now. Peter says in 1, 6, and 7, he says rejoice. Why should I rejoice? Because the result of that is going to be praise, glory, and honor. Now, watch this, guys, because I think this is interesting. Who gets the praise, glory, and honor? Who gets the praise, glory, and honor? Watch, let me read it again. In this you greatly rejoice, even now for a little while if necessary. Oops, this is trials, not trails. Trials. He says, You greatly really rejoice, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, right? so trials is going to test or prove my faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may, the proof of my faith may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is receiving praise, glory and honor? I am. And it just got really quiet in here. I am at the, re, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm reading here in First Peter. One of the reasons I want to rejoice, Peter's saying in these trials, in this he says, in fact, he says, "You greatly rejoice is because these trials are going to show what I'm worth here. The proof of my faith is in what, how I respond to these trials. And when I do that, Peter says, after my, te- my faith has been tested by fire, it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. Who's going to give me the praise and glory and honor? Would you guess? At the revelation of Jesus. So hang on to that thought. Okay, And one more then. Let's get, to, let's get to Jesus then. okay, Take your Bibles then. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to verses 11 and 12. And again, can I have someone read that please? Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. What do you got? Somebody.
1: Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How long did you want to go? I uh, keep going. <laughs> rejoice and be glad, there you because go. great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets
0: who were before you. Thank you. Jesus is saying, "Rejoice." Why should I rejoice and be glad? Because great is my reward in heaven. Persecution. Is going to cause that. So Jesus is saying. Hey listen. Persecution is going to come your way. And when it does rejoice. If for no other reason. Rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. So why should I rejoice. Back to James then chapter one. Why should I rejoice in my trials. Why should I be joyful in my trials. Here are four reasons. Because, God, you're making me perfect and complete. Because, God, I can live with hope in a way that I probably haven't experienced or wouldn't have experienced without this trial. Because, because now I understand, right? When, when you're in the midst of a trial, I think I mentioned this last week, you're not looking for some cute little answer. You're looking to get out. You're looking for relief. You're looking for reprieve. Those of you who are under financial trials right now, again, company downsizes or you went from a double income to single income or whatever it is, and you've got bills just mounting and mounting and mounting, you're under this trial, you don't need some cute little card coming your way saying, you know, hang in there, little smiley son, you know, and you'll make it. And You're looking for reprieve. You're looking for money. You're looking for... And so it's in the midst of that that Paul is saying, no, 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 don't run from this. Because it will end, right? Those of us who've been in trials, we know there is an end to your trial. And Jesus says, even if that end is what? Even if that end is your life on earth, it will end. And when you're in that trial, stay in the trial, don't move from it. Stay in the trial, it will end. And you will experience, even in the trial, a very, very mature, complex idea, which is, I can get up today with hope. I I mean, it looks like the world around me is falling apart, and yet, I don't know, God, it's it's almost inexplicable, I have hope. And as I said before, gang, when you get up with that attitude, your friends are watching you with that. I teach at Valley Christian High School, and guys, every year since I've been there, we've lost someone, either a student or a parent of a student. Um, and, and a few of them have been just uh, tragic in terms of sudden. And everyone starts watching those kids, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. How are you going to respond in this trial? Because what they say to me when when we're alone or when we're at break or at lunch or whatever they say I've got I've got friends at at Mountain View or Corona or Marcos and see and they're losing friends too and they don't they don't know how to deal with it they're you know they're they're, they're candle vigils and whatnot but but at the end of the day they're feeling pretty hopeless and yet I, I'm waking up recognizing that I know that the person you know. Uh, they're with Christ right now, and so I can live with hope. He says that, that there is something coming your way. We don't know exactly what that means by praise, glory, and honor. And Jesus says, Great is your reward in heaven. Watch this even. Go to, go to James, back to James. I'll give you one more. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, if you want one more reason to rejoice in your tribulations, I think this is available to you as well. Blessed is the man, joyful is the man, or receiving Blessings is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So a couple questions, I guess, and and we'll talk about this for a minute. What do you think this is? is my first question. The second question is, does, is it available to everyone? Is it, uh, I should say this. Is it, is it? Does everyone get it? So let's start with the second one, I guess, and, and work our way maybe to the first one. Uh, does it, d- based on what you've read here in, in James 1.12, does everyone get the crown of life? What do you think? Could, most of us would say no, is that correct? We all okay with that? Why doesn't everyone get the crown of life? Just, I, I didn't hear any of that, so got a mic over here. And why doesn't, if you say no to that, why doesn't everyone get the crown of life? He says, persevere, uh, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Why doesn't everyone get one? Uh, yeah, here and then we'll go over here. Yeah. great. it's promised to those who love him. And so what's the converse of that then? Or what's the option, I guess?
2: Those who
1: are against him or don't love
0: him. And those who don't what? Don't believe. No, uh, go, go to the first half of 12. Those who don't
1: persevere, persevere, under, persevere trial. under
0: trial. Yeah. Right. I mean, does everyone persevere under trials? I don't think so, and I'm not talking about a lifetime. Like, what's my body of work overall? Right, That's not, I'm not talking. About, I'm talking about if you have a trial right now in your life, you're either doing what is what James is is encouraging you to do, or you're not. I I don't know how else to read that. Right, you're either you're either accepting the trial. And we'll get to wisdom here in just a moment. You're accepting the trial. Your faith is, is being tested. You're enduring through that trial through patience. It's evident in the way you're handling the trial. And because of that, there is some joy in your life or heart. Or, or you're, not, you're not doing that. The trial is, is coming your way. It's been in there for a while. And truth be told, if you were, if you were being honest right now, you would say, you know what, I haven't, I haven't acted like this. Not even close to acting like this. Um, much complaining, um, much griping, much, um, uh, um, you know, figuring out why this happened and and woe is me and the sky is falling. And and again, as we mentioned last week, Psalm 13, there's nothing wrong with going to God and saying, have you left me? Have you abandoned me? There's nothing wrong with saying to God, deliver me from this. But remember, David ends that Psalm with, God, you are still good. And so maybe maybe in your situation right now, you've gotten the first two down really well. It's that third one that you're really just, you just can't get around to yet. Um, and, and our culture says this, guys, right? Our culture says, you, the, you get the first two down, right? Petition God for... Uh, for, you know, let him know your feelings and then petition him for deliverance, and period, that's it. And our culture says, yeah, that's fine. Keep complaining, keep griping. You know, yeah, why should this happen to you? You didn't deserve this. How many times have you had, when you're in your trial, loved ones or friends or family come along and say that? You should be angry about this. Why? You don't deserve this. How many times can you get knocked upside the head? How many times can this happen to you? You should be, if I were you, did you ever hear that, right? If I were you, you're handling it better than me because if I were you, and so our culture feeds us this. So, so maybe it's. There is an option of not persevering under trials. Yeah, and then and then uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Paul was
3: Paul's been through many trials, but uh, I was trying to look it up. I can't find. It. I think it's in First Corinthians where he's, he uh, he he asked God to remove the thorn. From his side. Sure, yeah. And uh, God came back and said, my grace is sufficient. So, I, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and guys, so yeah, hear me on this. Because, you know, uh, the, I, I didn't have the heart to go back and look at my particular entries in my blog. But guys, I can just safely say, um, you know, out of 150 entries, probably 30 or 40 of them had words peppered throughout with, um, I can't breathe right now, God um you know if not for the sake of my kids take me now god i just, i can't do this so so i don't think there's anything wrong with um you know i've been around guys i've been around in fact the the two or three weeks or so after leanne passed um just and again you never know how god's going to use your trial right we can all attest that those of you who have been through trials you know Man, I just, I never knew. And all of a sudden, God had me talking to this person. And, and I was comforting them and encouraging them. And they were, they were looking to me as like the, the expert in grief or, you know, whatever it was. And so, and so I got a call from someone. and They said, um, we said, would you go up to the hospital? A guy just lost his wife. Um, and, you know, and car accident. She was a nurse at Phoenix Children's. He was alone and, and three kids. Like like uh maybe it was a couple months or so after after Leanne died. I mean, you know, what are the odds? So yeah, I got I mean, I you know, I'm up there in a heartbeat, like, and I'm all, all the way up, I'm thinking, you know, what God, what do you want me to say? What? And I walked in and I gotta tell you guys, um, he was definitely in that first stage of grief, which was denial. Because when I went in to talk to him, it was it was so like I can man up and deal with this. And I'm looking at this guy thinking brother, I've, you know, I'm a little further down the path than you. And I, you know, it is hell. You're, you're, you're about to experience hell. And, and he's just kind of, you know, yeah, it's just, that was, you know, unfortunate. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I got to try to figure things out now, but, you know, just kind of just really just flatlined in terms of emotions. And, and I just thought, okay, you know, if, if, if you can do that for the next 40 years, write a book um, because most of us will reach a point of break where we're going to say, there's there something in my life, God, I need to be delivered from. Um, and that's just being honest before God. Um, and so we got to be real with our feelings. Um, please, please, please don't, don't deny the pain that this trial is bringing you. Uh, please don't. It it doesn't it doesn't help anyone, um, especially especially you. Okay, um, okay. So so maybe we can agree on this that this crown of life isn't for everyone. Now here are your two, here are your two options in terms of, um, in terms of then what the crown is. It's either literal or figurative, right? Those are your two options. Um, if you say it's figurative then you have to address the issue as to, well, well what's the point then? What, so, so let's be clear then. It's, we're not talking about eternal life here, right? Let's just agree on that. Remember, James is talking to believers that are being dispersed throughout the region. And he's saying to them, the man who perseveres, the woman who perseveres under trial, blessed are you because you will receive the crown of life. He's not saying you will be saved. That would be contradictory to the host of of letters that Paul writes, and claiming that we are saved through what? We're saved through by grace through faith. We're not going to backload the end of salvation and say, um, "Well, you're saved by grace through faith." Plus, you need to persevere through trials. Because if I'm a believer and for whatever reason I don't persevere through a trial, God, I need to know I'm still going to heaven. So we're not talking about a salvific issue. We're not talking about salvation here. Some people really have believed that the crown of life means crown of eternal life. And I would argue it doesn't. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2 verse 9, John says uh, through Jesus, John's writing the words of Jesus and Jesus says to those who have died for their faith, to those who gave up their life for me, martyrs he's talking about, guess what they received the crown of Life. I think it's the same crown. And again, I said this when I was doing the heaven series. Um, I'm not going to be definitive on this. Someone's got a gun to my head, or you know, and you know, it's figurative. Okay, it's figurative. You know, it's it's all figurative. It's good. It's not a life or death for me. But guys, I I take this as I think it's a literal crown. Now, the the crowns that were being mentioned here. Um, often in the New Testament uh, could be transposed or looked at as wreaths as well. It, it, the, the imagery here is from um, not necessarily royalty, but rather from the uh, from the Greek games, and so the Isthmian games um, were were Paul uses that in First Corinthians nine, and you know run the race well, and if you do, you'll receive an imperishable wreath, not a perishable one, and so the, it was a victor's crown. It was a it was a victor's uh, reward, if you will, that was placed on the on the head of the victor, and and that particular platform he was on was uh, they called that the bema platform or the the judgment platform. In fact, in those games, when someone would compete, the whole idea was that they were being judged meticulously um, by, by by judges that that would look at every single move they were making, and should that person persevere in those games, should they win, if you will. They were rewarded, and the reward was this particular wreath or crown. That's, that's the imagery I think we have here. What we're really after is, is it a real crown or not? And I think that's actually secondary to, is it a reward? I think that's the primary issue, whether it's a literal crown or a wreath. or The issue, I think, is, is it a reward? And I think at that level, even if we choose to disagree on whether it's little or figurative, I think we can agree it's a reward and it's not for everyone. A little louder, I'm sorry.
2: Do you get multiples of them? And are these the crowns that we give back to Jesus?
0: Yeah, good question. Okay, so here's what, um, uh, yes and yes, I think. My personal opinion is yes and yes. There are, there are four to five crowns in the New Testament. Um, there's, uh, if you want to write these down, you're more than welcome. There's the crown of life, which I think I just mentioned. Uh, there's the crown of righteousness, Paul talks about in Second Timothy. Um, he says that all who have looked forward to Christ's return, all that live according to Christ's return, Paul says, awaits for them a crown of righteousness. Uh, he says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, those who run in such a way that they win, he says, don't receive a perishable crown, but an imperishable crown. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, that there is a crown of glory for those who shepherd. He says it, shepherd the flock well. right? If you shepherd the flock well, and I think, honestly, that that can be broadened out. If you're leading... You know, a small group Bible study. Uh, if you're doing, a, you know, one-on-one mentoring, if you're if you're doing some accountability or something with your buddies, and and I think it extends beyond just pastor, shepherd, pastor Lynn, and and Peter says that if you do that well, if you take the opportunity, and the reason I think he says that is because you, well, I'll get all right. If I'm going to do that, I am doing something, guys, that that most Christians don't do. Because you have the option of not doing it. You have the option of coming here on Sundays or Tuesdays, sitting there, soaking up all of this wisdom and knowledge and God's word, and then going out and not doing anything with it by way of acts of service. You have that option. And if statistics true, prove to be true you know, 80% or so, what do they say? 80% of the church just comes and does that. 20% do all the work and give all the money. And 80% just do this. They just sit and absorb and absorb and absorb and absorb and absorb. And, and typically the absorbing turns into arguing at some point. Typically the absorbing turns into, well, yeah, what about this theory? And what about this theological issue? And what about this doctrinal issue? And why, you know, I read 17 books on this word and and then you have the other person saying, God, I don't know much, but I know that this person needs to be mentored. Or I don't know much, but I'll, let me, I'll brag on my brother here. Um, my brother, I'm in Walmart the other day, and I'm shopping. And my brother, a year and a half older than me, um, he, I, he turns, I turn the corner, and I like, you run into your brother. Like, that's, you know, that's weird. And so I turn the corner, my brother's there. And I'm like, eh, you know, we just met at Walmart. And so he's got a guy with him. I'm like, um, you know, what's going on? This guy, he met at his church, basically, I'm sorry, he met at a, um, kind of like a, a homeless shelter for guys. And he met this guy, befriended him. And all of a sudden, the guys, you know, he asked the question, what can I do to help you? And this guy had a list. I need a job. I need a place to live. I need someone to watch my dog. So I go over to my brother's house. I don't know a couple, you know, about a month ago or so. He's got another dog in his house. Because this guy, so anyway, they're at Walmart. I'm like, "What are you doing at Walmart?" He said, "Well, you know, I think his name is Corey, or uh, he's got a job interview. You know, God blessed him with a job interview. But he needs a pair of boot. He needs a pair of work boots. And so we're shop. We're getting him a pair of work boots. See, see, people don't. Not everyone does that. My brother had the option of saying to this guy when he met him at the at the the men's shelter. Um, you know what can i do for you I, I need a job i need you know someone to watch my dog i need you know i need some boots man i'm gonna pray for you about that well, let me get out my prayer list and so cory i just want you to know you just made my prayer list Yeah, you know, cory still doesn't have the boots still don't have the job you know his dog's still homeless with him i mean so I just, I left watching that and I thought, I think that's who Peter's talking about. I think that, that my brother is shepherding Corey right now. And Peter says, and, and Peter says, what awaits you then is the crown of glory. And then there's a, there's a fifth crown, the crown of rejoicing. I think, so I think, you know, depending on how you take some of those, but four or five crowns. And so to answer your question over here, yeah, I think there can be multiple crowns given on multiple occasions. I think sometimes, I think sometimes you may cave under a trial. And then I think other times you'll wise up and, you know, in different situations or even you may persevere. Here's what, I, here's my question. If you follow that line of thinking, my question is this. Can you imagine heaven where rewards are being given out to those who have lived life well here on earth? Is that, is that image in your, do you, do you, is that in your heaven theology? Uh, take your Bibles real quick and go to, uh, go to 2nd Corinthians 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 2nd Corinthians chapter 5. 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. That's not this verse up here. I'll get to that in just a second. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Again, that word there is bima. That's where, if, you, if you're reading a bunch of books on this, you'll come across the bima seat judgment of Christ. That's what this is. That each one may be recompensed or rewarded for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether what, good or bad. Again, from we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Okay, hold on to that thought then and go back a couple books to Romans. Let's go to Romans 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans 14. Romans chapter 14, look at verse 10. Romans 14, verse 10, Paul says, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of God. Same word there, Bema, same. Okay, and then one more just for kicks. Um, Go to in the middle then, one book to the right. First Corinthians then. Just turn over about five pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at uh, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 3 starting in verse 12. Now if any man builds upon the foundation. And the context here is um, Paul and Apollos. And they were they were planting churches spiritually. And so the issue here was... Do we build the church and give credit to Paul or Apollos? And so that's kind of the context here. I just, I want to be clear. He says, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show because it is to be revealed with fire that the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as so through fire. And some people have said, well, this is only talking about pastors or those church planters or, okay, even so, Paul is saying that even if that's just the group being mentioned here, it's saying that the church planter or pastor's work is going to be evaluated, right? And it's going to be wood, hay and stubble or gold, precious stones and metal and, and fire will test, burn up the wood, hay and stubble. This stands, and if whatever stands, he says, you receive what? Verse 14, he shall receive a reward. Now again, I don't know what the reward is, but I think there's three passages there that speak clearly of this idea of there is a judgment day coming, folks, that isn't the great white throne judgment. That is a salvation judgment. If your name in Revelation 2015 is not found written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. That is the great white throne judgment. That's not what this is. This is the Bema Seat Judgment. And the audience for the Bema Seat Judgment clearly are believers in Jesus Christ. The question is, when is that going to occur? And, And we don't have time right now, but the passages seem to indicate a future time, meaning after death. Here's what I guess, this is why I threw this up here, because this is what is challenging. David says in the book of Psalms, he says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So you have that thought, right? We've all heard that. God, my sins are forgiven, they're paid for. You you see them as far as you see the east is from the west. And then we have these three passages... That seem to suggest there is a time where you and I will give an account for our lives and what we've done. And the issue seems to be rewards. Now, for the sake of not quibbling over, you know, the minutiae here. I don't want to focus so much on the loss, though all these passages... Uh, look at First, uh, Second Corinthians. What he has done, whether good or bad. Um, so I, 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 I'm not sure, you know, on many levels in terms of the specifics. By way of because I've dialogued ad nauseum with people about, well, is you know, is is that mean I'm going to sit before God? My whole life's going to flash before me, or you know, I, I, I don't know the specifics. I know that what Paul is saying is is I will be rewarded for my deeds in the body, meaning here on earth, according to what I've done, whether good or bad. I think we can all agree on this. The issue here is rewards. And I think clearly, guys, based on all of these passages we just looked at, back all the way back to James, rewards await those who are faithful to Jesus Christ here on earth crown of life if you persevere through a trial. And so can I just get, I can I just I guess push us in the direction of hope here which is if you're struggling right now if you're underneath a pile of stuff that that you didn't ask for and don't want can I just can I encourage you that you have a host of 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 an army of not only earthly saints but i believe also in heaven cheering you on hoping that you run the race well so that you persevere under this trial and if you should can i just tell you that at some point a reward is coming your way and it's not coming from me or from or from paul i believe it's coming from christ himself christ says in matthew he says store up your treasure where in heaven um, if you look at Revelation chapter 22, I believe, Jesus says, I'm coming back. So 22, 12, he says, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I think Jesus, guys, is going to be very, very excited to just give out a host of rewards to the faithful. We have... Oh, we have uh, well, I'll tell you, there are, it's not just these, it's not crowns necessarily, just crowns. Listen to this, there's a promise in Matthew 6 and 1 Peter 1 of heavenly treasures. Remember when Jesus says in Matthew 25, Luke 19, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And we all champion that, like, we, you know, you hear messages and the pastor's just really just going well at it, you know. And he says at the end, he says, you know... He says, you know, to, to he said, man, if you just, who doesn't want to hear that? So run the race well, because Jesus will say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. And as he says that, I'm always thinking when I sit out there, is he not going to say that to some people? I mean, is it possible that Jesus will not say that to every Christian who passes from, from death to heaven I think so. I don't think he's going to say that to everyone, right? Well, I'll, I'll take a step out. I want him to say it to me. Um, this isn't a time for false humility. This isn't a time for you to say, "Say it to them, Jesus." I don't need you to say it to me. You want Jesus to say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. So we have that motivation. Uh, There's a promise to the overcomers in the book of Revelation. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, To he who overcomes, and then he lists a number of things. And the question has always been Is everyone going to overcome? Uh, and then finally there's a promise of special responsibilities I think that we see in passages like Matthew 19 and Luke 19 and Revelation chapter 2 and I think that rewards on various levels will be dispensed to those who who have proven through various trials, that their faith has been tested, they've endured, they've run the race, and we can add on to that those who have followed Jesus, where Jesus says, you know, you have to give up your life to lose it. I mean, all of those commands that Jesus gives, I think we have the option of not doing it. So to those who are doing it, to you who are doing it out there, I commend you because it's rare and it needs to happen more. We will get to this passage in just a moment, but, J- but James says in, in 127, um, what is pure and undefiled religion? To memorize 76 you know, passages, to you know, do a sword drill and a wand. It, no, he says pure and undefiled religion is what? You see an orphan or a widow, and what are you to do to them? You take care of them. And if you're do, if you're the one who's doing it. I applaud you tonight. Because you've got it. You got the fact that I don't need to know everything about this. When I see a hurting person out there, I just I do it. And God, I may not even do it right, but I'm doing it. And God says, um, G- G- Jesus says, your reward is great. I'll take a comment here, but but real quickly. So what do we do with these rewards, I think, is the question. Because this, you know, um, because Greg, I don't want to get to heaven and see, you know, people carrying around, you know, rewards, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I don't don't know what that's going to look like. So we have a passage in Revelation chapter 4, I believe verse 10, where we've got the elders and there's 24 elders or so. And it says, and they cast their crowns before the throne. And so great. They cast their so if that's what happens to us as well, great, you know that's. But it doesn't deny the fact that you had rewards to cast before the throne. Guys, I, I honestly, I. People have said, you know, pretty much my whole life, you know, are, seriously, you're motivated by rewards. How how unchristlike to be motivated by rewards. Um. And we're out of time, so I gotta I gotta drop it there. But uh, but let me just say this: I don't think it's unchristlike. I really don't. Now that's not my only motivation. Can't be my only motivation, but I think it can be a part of your motivation. I want to be told well done. That's and maybe that's just me, but that's that's what I want to be. I want that for you too. Um, uh, Let me end with this. Bill Bright, um, I was, uh, I can't, I, he has a special place in my heart only because I came to Christ through Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, and so I was reading just a little bit on the biography of Bill Bright. Um, if you know anything about Campus Crusade, uh, this may resonate with you. Um, Campus Crusade is the world's largest Christian ministry, serving over people over in 190 countries through a staff of over 26,000 full-time employees. Over 200,000 volunteers, close to 3 billion people have received a copy of the Four Spiritual Laws booklet. It's been printed in over 200 languages. More than 5 billion people have seen the Jesus film, which is the gospel basically on film. Dr. Bright won the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion in 1996 at the sum of $1 million and he donated it all back to the ministry. Is there any doubt that when he passed in 2003, Jesus said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's what Dr. Bright had to say, and I close with this. He says, I appreciate when he was illness was setting in, he said this, I appreciate you praying for my healing. And if that's what God wants, that's what I want. But one of the great challenges to me for 55 years is to live for Christ. And now, if I have the privilege of dying, I want to die with praise and worship on my lips to him. See, he realized, folks, that there is a time coming for you and for me. So run the race well. The opportunities that you have to give a word of encouragement to someone tomorrow, step into it. The opportunity you and I have to live by faith, which we'll talk about on the 18th, step into it tomorrow. You don't know that clock that's ticking down above your head when it's going to reach zero. Why wait for tomorrow. If you're driving home tonight with your spouse. Can you love on them tonight. Can you serve them in some way tonight. Can we act more like Christ. Today and tomorrow. Than we did yesterday. Let me pray for us. God thank you for tonight. Because father trials are in this room. I know for, for a fact. That people are struggling. But. I pray for Mercy. During their trials. God I pray for endurance. And for. For their faith to be strong. Even though they feel like in the moment. It's pretty weak. I pray father as someone mentioned that. That your grace would be sufficient for them. And that. That that they would be proven strong in their weakness. Not because they can promote themselves father. But because. Your word will eventually go out. Because of their choices. And then those who are lost right now uh, will come to faith in you. It's a privilege we have, Father God, to watch lives being transformed around us. And I don't know much, but I know that it happens often, not because of my words, but because of my actions. So, God, may we go out tonight with hope that the trials that we're in, that the struggles that we're facing aren't, for, aren't in vain But there's a reason for that. And Father, maybe some people here tonight um, need to live in this idea that their lives are being accounted for here on earth. And when they make these decisions to live for you full out, as Pastor Lynn said on Sunday, to, to be fully committed, maybe even in their homes, that you're very, very pleased with that. And like we like to do with our kids on Christmas Day, you will, you will bless them with some rewards in heaven. And that will be, I can't wait to be around those who are being blessed by you and to, to, to rejoice with them. What a great moment that will be. So God, we look forward to that. Until that day comes, Father, we need so much your strength. Um, and for some of us, maybe more than others tonight. Give us that, Father. We will give you all the praise When people ask, why do you live with hope? Because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.